Welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back with you guys. It's Wednesday uh, early evening. Uh, was at, out at Ashburn today for the first day of practice, heading into week four meeting with the Atlanta Falcons. Washington going to try to rally after their not-so-interesting uh, but important performance at Buffalo. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit about what happened at practice today and an exciting announcement for the podcast in just a second. Uh, the lineup today, we're going to talk football with none other than Richard Doc Walker. You know Doc Walker, uh, player for the Super Bowl teams. He's the longest, longest of time uh, media, media stalwart in this town. Caught up with him, always brings the energy and the insight into what is going on with this team. Uh, in addition to that, look, a lot of you have been asking me um, online, sending me, uh, sliding into my DM, sending me emails, what have you, asking me, what's the deal now with Fred Katz being gone from The Athletic? Are you going to do a podcast? Are we going to talk about the Wizards? What do we do? We, we, we The season's starting. What do we do here? Uh, I don't know yet consistently, but what I can tell you is, for this episode at least, uh, we'll do a Wizards Wednesday with Ava Wallace from the Washington Post. We'll caught up on with, with Ava about what's going on with his team entering training camp, the Bradley Beal situation, and more. So a fun chat there. We'll figure out what to do there. So all that and more here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and this is the big announcement. You can find it on the Athletics website. Yes, we are now officially on the Athletic app, and here's what that means for you. It means if you're a subscriber to The Athletic and you already are listening to other podcasts, maybe that's where you were listening to Fred's Wizards After Dark, which unfortunately is no more, you can, uh, you'll be able to find it there, Standard Room Only. In fact, we also have new artwork. A lot of changes going on here, but all for, the, all for good. So you, that's a good thing right now. If you're already a subscriber, you can now find The Athletic I'm sorry, you can find the Standard Room Only podcast on the athletic platform. Uh, hopefully, if I do, if I figure out how to do this, this episode will be up there. The, at least, if nothing else, the previous episode after the Buffalo uh, game is, is is there. So you can uh, find that. And I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm learning as we go here myself, but hopefully we should be able to get this up. Now, if you're not a subscriber to the athletic, what do you need to know? Well, look, you, however you're listening to this right now, it will still be there. However, if you've been thinking about getting into the athletic, if you go to theathletic.com backslash, is it forward slash or backslash? I don't know. Slash standig, my last name, S-T-A-N-D-I-G. You can subscribe there and you will get 50% off the subscription rate now through October 20th. So that's the deal, uh, uh, or at least b- b- maybe before October 20th, but basically you got a, you got a little time. Uh, so 50% off the subscription rate. Now, here's the deal. There are ads in in these podcasts. The people need to make money. What, what can I tell you? Hopefully it's not a, it's not an inconvenience. We all have, we all understand how this, how this works. Uh, but if you go through the athletic app, no ads and an ad free listen there, just like there's no ads elsewhere on the podcast. So that's something hopefully to keep you, keep intrigued. And furthermore, I'm not promising anything yet with the wizards. I don't know what's going on with the new wizards. Hire whenever that will come, what that person will do. Will there be a podcast? I don't know. But I am going to see if I can figure out a way to have some consistent Wizards conversation here because obviously we all know I don't mind talking about it. And if if there is no other podcast, then it's my, you know, responsibility as a, as a thinker of this team, as a talker of that team to do so. So we'll see what we can do. So something to keep in mind if you are not a uh, subscriber, lots of reasons to do so now, especially um, if you're into podcasts and you're listening to this, hopefully you are. So keep that in mind, go to the athletic.com forward slash or backslash, whatever that thing is, Standig, S-T-A-N-D-I-G. You can subscribe there for 50% off the subscription rate for the athletic. That's an annual subscription rate. All right. Now, as far as Washington, before we get to my interviews, just a couple quick things. Curtis Samuel did practice today. Um, That means... It's the first time he's practiced. Uh, he, today was the first day he was eligible to practice since being placed on on IR. Now that means the 21 day clock uh, 
is started. So Washington will have to activate him to the 53-man roster before the next 21 days, or he will be out for the year. Would imagine that's going to happen. Will it happen this week? Don't know yet. Uh, we'll have to see how he's feeling tomorrow. Um, after practicing today, we saw the first 15 minutes or so of practice. And, you know, he looked pretty looked pretty crisp uh, running some routes, doing some things. He's obviously had plenty of time to rest up. I mean, I think Ron Rivera and others sounded encouraged. But at the same point, you know, Rivera mentioned the 21-day window. So we'll see if they get him going this week and even if they do what that means. There is no doubt in my mind that they need him out there. Uh, we haven't. I can't say they missed him yet because he hasn't played, right? But the reason they got him was this offense needed more playmaking than just Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, who obviously had a massive uh, 73-yard catch and run last week. They need more. And Washington right now is averaging actually fewer plays of 20 or more yards per game than they did last year. So it kind of shows what they need. Between De'Ami Brown and Adam Humphreys, they only had one catch between the two. So they need more. Uh, from that group. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens uh, with Curtis Samuel Thursday at practice. Um, you know, obviously I'll update you on Twitter at Ben Standig and hope, possibly write something this week uh, if there's if there's a reason to. But we'll see if Curtis Samuel is good to go. I uh, will let you know as soon as we know things. Um, beyond that, uh, Brandon Scherf was out of practice today uh, with a chest issue. Now, he obviously had the issue where he ran into the he basically kind of ran into the side wall. Well, he kind of lost his footing a little bit at the game, chasing down an interception uh, that actually ultimately didn't count. doesn't seem like it's a big deal. He ended up going back in the game, and if nothing else, maybe it's just a veteran's day off, which is what Charles Leno had today. Uh, Matt Ioannidis was a limited participant with a knee injury that kept him out of the game last week. So we will have to check that. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, look, obviously this is a big game for this team. Uh, Doc Walker and I get into the schedule aspect and I, you know, I'm, I think that they got to win this one. I can't sit here and tell you it's a must win because it's only week four, but you look at the schedule. I think we kind of understand this is a big one for this team. Um, all right, but let's get to it. A lot to get to. We'll start off with Doc Walker followed by, uh, Ava Wallace, you know, them. He is of course at Rick Doc Walker on Twitter. Ava is at Ava R. Wallace on Twitter as well. And of course, you can read her at the Washington Post and follow Doc all over the place. Um, he is a, a, a media mogul to say the least. All right, but let's get to it. Let's start off talking the Washington football team, what Doc Walker and I saw uh, in week three. What do they need to do? How do you how do you solve this locker room? Or actually, I'm sorry, let me, let me rephrase. How do you sort of, what do you do if you're in the locker room? Uh, this, uh, all these kinds of things. Do you, do you have conversations? How do you get guys flowing here? What do we do? All that and more here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right. As promised, seriously, I can't do any better than this. No no introduction needed. He is the great Rick Doc Walker. I don't know what else to say. First, I will just say, how are you? How are things? Andy, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, uh, well, I'm not that good because watching you get your teeth smashed over the weekend kind of ruined it. Then watching the Cowboys win and seeing the Eagles crap to bed. I mean, it's just not a good weekend um, for the division in my mind, but it is what it is. And I had nothing to do with it. So, hey, I'm just, I'm like you. I'm strictly observing and reporting on the casualties. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's exactly why we want you here. Because you obviously have been with this team, around this team forever. And before we get to anything about the Buffalo game or just what you've seen on the season in general, I did want to ask you kind of this. Like, with, with this team right now, they're one and two. Um, they easily, they're one snap away, one offside penalty from being away from being 0 and 3. And obviously, they weren't really competitive, you know, relatively speaking, against against Buffalo. You know, there's questions that, that, that come from things like this. You know, is there something going wrong in the locker room? Ron Rivera keeps talking about maturity issues. And I think he largely means discipline, but okay, you can interpret that however you kind of want to a degree, especially when you have a roster filled with a lot of young guys. This is also a team that got rid of a lot of veteran experience with guys like Ryan Kerrigan gone, Morgan Moses gone, things like that. And so therefore the body language experts starts to come out and we start to wonder, are we seeing what's going on here? Are there things happening beyond just, they're not tackling and 
putting enough pressure or making the catches or, or whatever or whatever it is. As a guy who has been in the wars, you've been in the locker room, part of the Super Bowl teams, you then cover the team for many years right there on the sidelines, and now you're still doing it from this uh, from this perch. W- what are things that like you keep an eye on when it comes to wondering, is there something extra happening beyond just the basic fundamentals of, of football? Because again, this is something that people are, are already starting to process, and I just sort of want to lay the foundations in place to to stem the tide of misinformation as well as maybe things to keep an eye on. Coaching is like parenting. You make a decision on how you're going to approach your children. Ron trusted them and decided to treat them like adults before they've reached adulthood. So what has backfired on him right now is he trusted them. And clearly, they're not to be trusted. They're very young. When you got to see captains on guys in their second year, you, that's vulnerable. It looks cute. It's a nice story if you're doing if you're in Hollywood. This ain't Hollywood. When he didn't play these dudes in the third preseason game, a lot of them hadn't busted a grape. His linebacker, Davis, is an infant. And they don't play him in a preseason game. I, 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 I tore my room up. And I go, well, maybe he's right. He knows them better than I do. But maybe he doesn't. Because that backfired. Cosby, I, I love his right tackle. That kid's fighting his guts out. He's been a bright spot. He's still an infant. You don't give him any help against Pro Bowl caliber players. They're trusting him. And the kids aren't ready for that kind of trust. There's two ways you approach it. A gorilla pimp, which the guy says, my way or the highway, or you start compromising. Ron compromised with him, to, in my opinion. Jack, he's compromised. They've tried to work, assuming that these guys are mature. They're not. It's clear. They've been gutted three straight weeks. And he's saying that discipline. He's being very nice to him, kind to him, and saying that we're not on the same page. Guys are freelancing. Young people freelancing? It all goes down to little things. When you have a captain, that captain that does that misses an OTA or a minicamp, you oh, not that big of a thing. You ain't been in this game. You don't know what you're, you're really, nice try. You don't, you, you don't, you don't, you don't get it. Okay. What happens is that everything matters. The best player doesn't always have to be the best leader. What you're looking for right now is guys that get results and they're not getting results. And you can tell based on what they say afterwards, based on what I heard a captain saying, he's going to check to find out if there's any BS. That means he doesn't know. Right. Means he doesn't know. Right. I got you. And obviously, you know, Chase Young is the guy you're sort of talking about there in multiple ways. He was named the team captain as a second year player. He's the one that said when he was asked, there was a he, he, he was caught on camera with having a sort of an animated moment. I don't think at Jack Del Rio, but in the vicinity of Jack Del Rio. But he said that, yeah, like basically he was he said while he wasn't he didn't seem to be pr- worried about where things were. He was basically yeah, he said to, to Del Rio, basically something like if there's some bullshitting going on. Let yes. you know. Tell me, and let, and we'll ha- and we'll help ferret this out. But th- you make the great point, and I think this is something that is so wrong with how people view um, in all sports these days. Best player does not mean team leader automatically. Not at all. And, exactly. And, and I saw this happen. I was I always use the Wizards as an analogy because that was my baseline for for a lot of years here. And obviously, it makes you know, a lot of people out there some under locally understand that and you know for john wall excellent player an all-star player when he was with the wizards but as a leader wasn't necessarily that guy he wouldn't always come into camp in the greatest shape he didn't always do the right things on and off the court i'm not talking about personal choices i make poor decisions but i'm talking about in terms of yeah. the, the role of the locker room who is the who was who is setting the tone that wasn't necessarily the guy there might have been other guys but not necessarily him and same thing here right you have the they named eight captains and some of these names 
make a lot of sense, right? A guy like even DeShazer Everett, he's been around a long time, special teams uh, guy. I don't want to use the term warrior, but like, you know, he's, he's a guy. That oh, he gives a tough it, guy. Yeah, he's accountable. No, he's accountable. Right. He gives he's it all. He's accountable. Yeah. Uh, you know, some other guys, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan Allen, I think would, would probably qualify under that. Brandon Scherf. Even he's a accountable. Young, even a young guy like Terry McLaurin, like the way he elevated to the captaincy last year was yeah. when he stood up in the locker room after they had um, one of their rare early wins and really gave, I thought, a really nice speech to the locker room, a passionate speech to, uh, about to, you know, hey, you know, pay attention to what's happening here. Keep buying into this because what is happening here is, 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 a, is a thing. And what I noticed last year, to my point of this question was, I went back and was reading some of my clips from last year. Uh, it said earlier, and I, I was, I was, I had one where I was noting that even though they were struggling, and this was before the turnaround, that even though they were struggling, you listen to the players talk about Rivera, and you could tell the buy-in was real. Veteran guys, younger guys, and part of it was because I think Rivera brought brought a more serious attitude compared to the previous administration, and the players yeah. recognized that. And so even though they were losing, it to me seemed pretty evident the message was getting in. And now it was just a matter of, you know, did the things kind of go their way? Obviously, it did late. And I'm not saying we're, I'm hearing the opposite now, but this is the question of, you know, we're basically on an Atlanta loss away from having this conversation of what is happening. And I think you make a really good point about the the the, the trust factor. And Rivera kind of said as much early in the summer when he talked about he's trying to explain to these guys, hey, what happened last year is irrelevant to today. You have to you know, you have to do it all over again. And by the way, they were only seven and nine last year. It's not like they were, you know, 12 and four and dominating the league. So they Thank have, a, they had a ways to go um, in, in, in any event um, regardless. So as a guy who has been in this, you've been the, a locker room leader, you've been in these places. What, what, what's the message that you would potentially look to send or things that you would try to keep, have guys pay attention to um, going into a week like this? Well, the most important thing is, again, they talk too much. I don't want to hear anything from them. I want to see it Sunday in Atlanta. Talk is cheap. I put it out on social media. I said it on, on my podcast. What's next? Now what? We've heard you talk. We've had the results three weeks in a row that you failed miserably at what your strength was supposed to be. And so when God, and now here's what I love about them. They have great effort. They play hard. So if a guy's giving you great effort, but he's not getting results, then it comes down to technique. And what Ron is saying in a very nice manner is that they're not playing the defense the way it's structured. So the only obvious question is, why aren't they doing it? then it must mean they don't believe in it. When players don't believe in something, then when it gets tight, they do what they think their instinct tells them to do. It's not good. They call gap control. They talk about integrity of the defense. When you look at the pass rushers, it's very clear. Pass rushing has been explained to me by the great Tony McGee. And I've heard it from Charles Mann and Dexter Manley. It's a, it's a boxing match between you and a guy. You're setting him up for things. Tony would tell me he knew exactly what he was going to do on third and long, but he never showed it. He set up things to make a guy think he was going to do something, and then he flipped the script on him. I don't see – I see very little setup. I see great effort flying upfield. What are people doing? Let them run right out to play. So people are taking advantage of their effort and their – they, they hustle, and they're smart guys, and they're good people. This has nothing to do with their character. This is about buying into a system and being accountable to your teammates. The hell with the coach. How about your teammates? That's the part that disappoints the hell out of me. I see John Allen playing at a level in terms of energy and thrust and those two guys inside, and I'm going, but they don't get the results because the linebacker play behind them is way too inconsistent. You got to fill in certain places. And look, both their coaches are linebackers. They know. They know. So they're trying to 
give the team to the team. Hey, guys, what are you going to do? It's your team. What are you going to do with it? And they're saying all the right things on all the various media platforms. I don't listen to anything they say. I watch everything they do. So you got it. You got you. You, you, you see the, this or that. What is it going to be? Now we've had some sound bites of Ron when he was in Carolina. One of the ones we used to play before he got hired was when he tore them. He ripped them a new one, and everybody said that hadn't happened here. Based on their results, I'm waiting on that to come out. Okay, so because obviously he tried to be the nice parent, that didn't work. Got hard headed kids. Now what you gonna do? Okay, is it punishment? Timeout? Or oh, I grew up old school. Go get me a switch. Okay, let's find out what his what his parenting is going to be now with his kids. Because his kids have given him the finger. I'm telling you that right now. And based on their play, they're trying to do it their way. All they, and obviously they're not watching film. Because when you get your teeth kicked in three straight weeks on defense, by now they should be humble and coming into Jack and Ron and saying, okay, <laughs> we'll do it your way. I haven't heard that yet. And I don't care because I'm not listening. I don't give a damn what they say. I want to see what they do. And you think Atlanta's scared of them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad I'm, uh, I'm old, but I'm glad I, I uh, the, the switch era was uh, was before my time. Uh, oh, the switch was a bitch, I'm telling you. The switch, the belt, the shoe, the whatever else. Hey, look, you asked me here for a reason. That's exactly what I'm telling you. I've been 0-5. We've lost. We've been, I, I've, seen, I've been through everything they've, they've gone through. That's why I'm not, I'm not moved by it. If they weren't given effort, I wouldn't even watch the games because they're not entertaining. So why the hell would I watch? But they give you great effort. They want to be good. No, no, they're, they're they they have bought in, just not all the way, right? And, and that's and- what comes on with these lingerie training camps that we have. This is a byproduct of the lingerie training camps. How the hell are you gonna play defense and not tackle? You don't bring people to the ground. You don't do this. You don't do that. And they don't do it in the game either. See, that's my point. It doesn't carry over. But the thugs in the league who bend a few rules, who get penalized for over-aggressive camps, their records are better than our record. All I'm saying is that the game had changed. Same old game, okay? You got to win as a unit, not an individual. This is not all about Chase Young. He's one of 11. He's no more important than the corner of the free safety. They have got to get out of the hero ball mentality and play the design of the defense. And Jack will have to compromise and say, well, maybe I'm asking them to do something they, they can't do. And he'll maybe have to adjust. Maybe he'll have to blitz more. Maybe he can't get there with four. Well, he hadn't yet. So whatever, that, that's, that's what they paid him for. Come up with an alternate strategy and show us what you got. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Rivera, you know, said on Monday that, you know, hey, we're still not far away. He's he's not. There's no panic button. He he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't overly fretting. I I did note that he, you know, look, he's the same guy who last year when even when they were like had a terrible, much further into the season than this, and he's talking optimistically about where things could go. And part of that was because the division was a mess and he was at, he was eyeing that they were only like a game or two back or whatever it was at any moment in time from the division lead. Whereas like this year, Dallas looks pretty good and we'll see. I don't, I don't think a eight and a seven and nine, the equivalent of a seven and nine record is going to get, get it, get it done. But okay. He's still, you know, he, he's, he's, he's still talking some level of, of, of uh, optimism. And it's, look, it is only three games into the year. This is hardly, you know, they, they, they beat Atlanta. They're back to 500. Maybe that's even good enough to be tied for the division lead. And then you move forward from there, even with a uh, tough schedule um, that said. So for just from the de- just to stay on the defense for one last moment, I guess. Um, yeah. So we've talked about some of the, some of the issues. What would you, what, what, I guess, is there anything that you would uh, any, any one thing that you would uh, suggest to the, to the coaches about something to turn around? You mentioned just being maybe more 
uh, a tougher parent, but anything from a strategic perspective that you noticed out there that maybe you would well, uh, focus on? Yeah, I'd, I'd stop doing what they're doing because none of that's working. So what they maybe need to do is blitz on first down. Maybe they need to run more stunts. That's on them to figure out. That's why they're there, okay? So because I'm not – I don't coach from the microphone. I'm just an observant. I'm an analyst, and I'm telling you that what they're employing right now is not working. So they need to change it. They they rotate when their strength was supposed to be depth. It hurt them that Ioannidis did not play. They need everybody. And he's not yet peaked from where he was pre-injury. So uh, they're flopping guys from right side to left side. I'm not necessarily sure that works. You're not getting any results from it. I think you need to stay on wherever you are best and master that. I don't see any byproducts of them flopping these ends to get some results. I'm seeing it yet. So, you know, Davis, we're still, we're still feeding him Pablum. He's a rookie. There are a lot of people rookies in this league. Why is it taking so long? Maybe, maybe they need to adjust the way they're playing him so he can play faster. This thing with Bostic, we've been hearing the same thing over and over again. So maybe they need to fix it. Maybe they're telling you they don't have anybody better. Okay. Too late now in the front office. That's all the stuff you did in April. Now we're to the point now is that you picked who you want. You kept who you want. Now where are the results? It's not being unfair to ask, is this it? Is this the best you got? And I go back to square one. Their goal should be to have a winning season. Let's get that done first. I'm thrilled that they won a game in September. That was important. Now they got a whole new month. Nothing's over. It's not too late for anything. They're in a perfect position if they'll buy in and play their butts off and scheme them up. Both coordinators, are you doing what's best for the kids? Does this put them in the best position to be successful? And if it's not working, change it. If If you're happy with it, stay with it. Um, let's switch to the other side of, of, the, of the ball. Um, I, I'm curious your thoughts on, on Taylor Heineke. Obviously, it was sort of his first rough game, rough appearance since he uh, joined in, in, in December and some of the concerns that people might have had with him with arm strength and maybe um, being a little too aggressive in some spots um, came, came to bite him. But I, but I wanted to ask you this. You know, they went out and signed Curtis Samuel this offseason for – couple of reasons, but primarily like this offense needed more punch. You've got Terry McLaurin, you've got Antonio Gibson. You also have Logan Thomas, but like in terms of like just pure speed guys to really put pressure on the defense, you had those two guys, not much else. That's why they went, not just and got Samuel, they draft Deami Brown uh, uh, and, you know, they, they signed Adam Humphreys. Now Brown and Humphreys are the two who are playing now. They had as many catches combined yesterday or Sunday as Taylor Heineke did one. <laughs> that's not a joke. That's a, that's the actual yeah, no. and, and Brown is, you know, look, he's a rookie. He's, I, I really do like him, but like it's going to take a minute. And and Humphreys is a totally solid complimentary piece, but he's not a game breaker. I felt to me this was the game that felt like they this was where they missed Curtis Samuel the most. Buffalo went out and got Emmanuel Sanders last year or this offseason to give them another piece opposite Stefan Diggs. He obviously was a huge presence and Cole Beasley gives them another weapon as well to go with Diggs. Diggs, who was relatively quiet for him in the game, they didn't need him in this one. They had other pieces when Buffalo took Terry McLaurin out, or at least quieted him. He only had four receptions. There really wasn't much else to, to go. And I felt this was a game where they really missed Samuel. Now he's eligible to come back this week. We'll see how that goes. This groin injury has gone on forever. And by the time you hear this podcast, maybe we already know something, but to, to me, this just felt like the game where the reason they went out and got this guy really started to show up that his absence was, was noticeable. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't count people that don't play. I don't know how you can miss somebody you've never had. I've right. never seen him in Burgundy and Gold, so to me, he's zero. And so, um, I, Cam Sims, I'm saying you got a guy there, you don't use him. Right. So I've been pushing I, I that just, one. Yeah, I don't, I don't get, I don't, I don't, I don't know how people can put so much value in something they've never seen. That's like fantasy football to me. Curtis Samuels is great if it's fantasy football or whatever. But he's not done a damn thing here. So I've never seen him play. I've seen Cam Sims. 
flash and give you some moments or whatever, but they're running the offense they think gives them the best chance to win. Um, again, I've said this from day one. If there's strength, and again, let's go three weeks ago when I thought their strength was defense. So I'm more of a George Allen mindset guy. If that's what I got best, I got to support them. I need first downs, ball control. Okay, which means I have to I have to control the line of scrimmage to keep my defense winded, and also I need possessions and first downs. That's not our philosophy. So okay, let's do it your way. And so Heineke, he's fine. I mean, he I like him because he's competitive, but he does does the same. Turns the ball over. He's counterproductive to what I thought our strength was. That's why I'm an Allen guy. If I had to pick one. I think Allen gives them best chance to win based on what I thought was your strength defense. Well, since that's not the case, then Heineke is probably your best bet. If you're willing to give up two or three turnovers a game, you're not going to win. You're just not going to be good enough to beat people when you don't stop people and you don't possess the ball and you don't score points. So other than that, he's a great guy. Everybody's hung up on commercials and, He's got Bud Light. He got all that. See, once again, our priorities are off off base. This is a Disneyland scenario. We're back to our old ways where promotion is better than production. That hype leads us, not facts. So, and that's the part that turns me off. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. And I'm interested that you, you mentioned Kyle Allen because I've had the sort of the same approach as well. I, I mean, look, I give Heineke all the credit in the world. I think he's he's clearly shown he can play in this league. And if he if you need to bring him into a game, he's going to give you a puncher's chance. That's obviously, you know, in this relatively small sample size, he's proven that much, which is far more than a lot of guys in his position ever prove, even for a quarter or a half. Or, well, I love or, or his spunk. No, no. I, yeah. l- l- let me tell you what. <clears throat> if that's who we got, I'm fine. I ain't got no problem with that. I just think our fan base is delirious because we've been programmed to be stuck on stupid. All that matters is that we outscore the opponent, period. It's not a style point deal. It's not hype. What we need is stability and first downs. We don't get a lot of them, and we turn the ball over too damn much. And our protections, well, you got to question them. I mean, look, at it, it, it see, here's the thing about the NFL. It's not college. Every week you're playing the best person in your division, in your conference, every week. You want to see pressure? We don't get there. If you've been watching the games, others do. I mean, it's jailbreak city in this league right now with pressure and protection. It's all about pressure and protection. You and I have done this over the years. What have I always said? The only thing that matters is who controls the line of scrimmage. We got a guy who wants some 18 million. I hope he gets it. But I got to be able to run behind him to get a yard. Okay? We run away from him on critical situations. So I'm going, okay, that's the decision you make. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But it's not my job to understand it. I am giving you a reaction to what I see. And it's also too early to panic. If they were over, maybe. They won one. And they, they got a chance this week. Their chances, I didn't think they had a chance last week. I said it on my pre on Fox pregame show. Only people think they're going to win is friends and family. Okay, that was it. Nobody that calls themselves an analyst at any level in this sport would have thought they were going to beat the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm with you. Um, one, one last question for, uh, for the doctor here. Uh, to sort of to go back to the bigger picture, it is still only yeah. week three, right? Now, yeah. when when it was when they were zero one going to face the Giants, it was way too early to say this way is a must early. win. That way said, it early. kind of felt like it a little bit kind of was because of the fact that the first two games were at home. The Giants were clearly not a really a, a good team. This is a division game to boot, so it was nice that they figured out how to win in the craziest yeah. way. It was two mediocre teams. Now we're we're mediocre. So right. are they. That's okay. So, a large part, half the league is mediocre. Right. So and you so, got a chance. So to that end, Atlanta is another team that's in the mediocre, mediocre. category at best. They're mediocre. But the teams after them, again, you never know on any given Sunday, but the teams after them, not that. New Orleans and Green Bay at home. 
I'm sorry, New Orleans and Kansas City at home, at yeah. Green Bay, at a Denver team that is currently undefeated by week, Tampa Bay. And then after that, yeah. you still have the games against two yeah, teams in Carolina. Go. Ben, you know better than that. If we got a field space to write an article or field space to push the show, we talk about the, you know, it's like the people in our market to keep saying, who do you think is going to make the playoff? You just fill in time. Okay. Nobody even knows who's going to be playing on the team that week. Sure. Injuries, COVID, there's too many other variables. You're just wasting time and filling time or filling a column to even bring that crap up. This is a week to week league. All you need to know is that where are you now? And can you win this week? They have to win two games in the month of October. If they hope to have a shot, they got to win two. You pick them on your own. New Orleans is schizophrenic. Okay. Green Bay, again, they got the best guy. They have a little bit better talent. So like Buffalo, maybe you don't have a chance. You have a chance against New Orleans. You don't know which New Orleans team is going to come up. You don't know what Washington team is going to show up. So all I'm saying is that if we're just keeping it real and we're not filling block space or articles and, and columns right now, this is the biggest week of their life. And they have an opponent that's on their same level, mediocre. Don't blow this one. Shut up and do your job because this is critical that you don't let this one get away. Uh, that is the broader point I was going for. Yes, the, the, it feels like this is a game where I can't say like they better win this or else. But simultaneously, this is a this does feel like a critical game, even if it is only week four. Yeah, based on the strength yeah. of schedule, regardless of what happens, it does feel like you they kind of need to get yeah. to get this one uh, done. Doctor, tell everybody. I mean, look, everybody already knows you do everything, but since you do do a lot of things. Tell everybody where they can find you. What are they working to hear you? All these things. Well, no, I'm not ever. I'm just on Patreon, patreon.com slash Doc Walker for the podcast. Fox uh, pregame show that got us on at 730 in the morning on Sundays. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just living the dream like you, man. And I'm, I'm waiting on the athletic to throw me a bone and let me at least carry your bags or be a, you know, just an assistant scribe, whatever. I'm just waiting on my phone call. That's the team I want to be a part of the athletic. I I like, I look, if you're, if, if I, if I get to pick my depth chart, I mean, Doc Walker's on it. So I'll, I'll see. Let me cover kicks, return pumps, whatever. I have no sway, but I will see what I can, uh, what I can do. Doctor, always appreciate it, man. man. We'll we'll bring you back inside the locker room, man. We'll, uh, but this is a big week. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. This is Mutt versus Jeff, and the winner takes all. Absolutely. Thanks, Doctor. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. As promised for all the Wizards people, hit me up going, when the hell are we going to have somebody talking about the Wizards now that Fred abandoned us? Uh (laughs) Here we go. I, I'm going to talk Wizards. I'm not going to promise every week until further notice, but we'll see. Maybe Wizards Wednesday is a thing, even if this podcast goes up Thursday. I don't know. Uh, oh, anyway, Wizards Wednesday. That's pretty good. It, it, it is. It is. And w- w- it could be maybe it could be Wizards Wednesday with Wallace, because my guest today go. is none other than Ava Wallace from The Washington Post. Uh, what, what do we think? Does that, have a, does that have a ring to it or? Wizard Wednesday with Wallace. That's pretty good. I'll take it. I've never, I don't have a, I don't have a brand. So there we go. Um, we, we have to work on that. We'll, we'll, we'll get our marketing people here at the, at the uh, standard room only podcast to, uh, to, to help you out <laughs> on that. We, we, we need to boost your, your boost your profile. Um, but uh-huh. I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate the time. Um, yeah, Wizards, we're, we're here. We're Wizards. at training camp. How about that? Day two, day two in the books. It's really uh, happening. It has been <laughs> like I, I have not been out there yet. Obviously, uh, I've been dealing with my own team, but just based on the the first twenty four to forty eight hours, uh, you've had quite a fun time. Um, <laughs> Bradley Beal's oh. been in the news. Um, I, I, I do want to talk about some of that, but not necessarily the political stuff, but the basketball related to it. But I mean, uh, the, you, you, it, 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 it's nice to get eased into this, but you did not have that opportunity. No, I mean, and it's. Um... Yeah, no, we didn't have that opportunity. It was something we kind of had to get out of the way on media day. I didn't necessarily expect for it to go down the way it did. Um, so I basically just asked, you know, we, we 
Obviously, we're all aware of the situation over the summer where Bradley Beal had to kind of uh, pull out of the Olympics team or wasn't allowed to go to Tokyo with Team USA because of health, quote unquote health and safety protocols, which we all know what that means by now. Um, so, you know, ask him on the first day of, of media day, oh, by the way, are you vaccinated? And just a quick no. Um, and then fellow reporters around me kind of filled in with really smart, actually, follow up questions. And, and Brad um, was not one of those guys who was just kind of like immediate, just personal reasons and clam up about it. He, he certainly shared his opinions and he had many of them, um, which, yeah, kind of landed him in, in this kind of like NBA superstar news cycle of, of guys like Kyrie Irving and, and, um, and Andrew Wiggins who are uh, saying they don't want to get the vaccine. Yeah, I give him credit for saying more than just it's a personal choice, which is what I heard a lot this summer for the Washington football team when, when guys were, were saying that. On the other hand, uh, you know, I, I didn't necessarily agree with. A On the other hand, he he's, he's not a doctor. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I'm with you where it's like, I, I appreciate that he actually was willing to kind of explain himself, but then you get halfway through it and you're kind of like, ah, this is not your area of expertise. <laughs> and now I got to print your quotes in the newspaper. So it was interesting. Yeah, it, it was. Um, well, I, I have a, a, a further question about that, but we'll get to that in a second. I do want to just talk about some, I don't know, some actual basketball because that is ultimately what what this is all all about. And um, look, it's been two days. I, as you said, I assume at this point you have a complete breakdown and understanding of everything that's going to happen. You can give us a minute-by-minute minute, uh, projection of the season and how it's going to unfold. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Ben, Ben, they're, they're going to focus on defense this year. I, I heard. Have you heard well, that before? <laughs> I heard. You know, guess what? Good. Because obviously, I, uh-huh. whether, the, whether the last coach did or didn't, it didn't translate one iota. So somebody needs to. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Um, I guess I guess I will ask you this. What is your initial impression of Wes Unseld Jr.? I mean, obviously, it just started. And, you know, even if you have a negative take, you're not going to share it because you want to be uh, you, you want you want to be nice to the new guy. But just in general, though, like, you know, you can get a kind of get a sense of who a person is and what they're all about. And I haven't been out there yet. So what's your sense of, of the new guy? Yeah, he actually I, I think he's going to be a really good fit personality wise. And, and or, or at least I see a lot of similarities between this coach and this organization's star player, kind of like Brad. He's pretty measured. He seems, he, I mean, he's just from talking to him and, and talking to people over the summer about him and everything like that. He's, this guy is a meticulous preparer. You know, he came up and was by training as an advanced scout and kind of did all of that legwork of everything. So he's used to putting forth very detailed plans and checklists. And he likes to have all his bases covered, especially as a new head coach. I would, I would do the exact same over prepare. Um, but he's, he's so low key. He's definitely not used to the media aspect yet. We haven't gotten him quite to loosen up a little bit. Um, he's still, you know, very like, yes, this is my job. And I'm trying to say the right things and also communicate, you know, good answers and things like that. Um, so he seems like a really down to earth guy so far. I've had a lot of conversations with him about how he's, he's not, he doesn't get too high or too low. He's not that emotional type of you know, character. He likes to stay even keeled because he thinks he, you know, something he said to me, he doesn't want to overreact to something and then have to walk it back later. So he's pretty middle of the line. All of the players we've asked say he's an excellent communicator. That's what everyone to a T said, stood out to them first. So I'm really interested to see how this kind of group of really interesting personality personalities gels together. Well, you mentioned he's a good communicator. Now, obviously when you say that you, in theory, you mean, communicating with the players but to the point oh, of yeah. the job that you have where you need the coach to communicate with you I mean my issue I had several issues with Scott Brooks which I wasn't afraid to talk about them on whatever podcast I was on but among them it's not like even so much that he was a bad quote it's just that at some point in the five years that he was the coach here that I was around I don't know how many maybe I can count on one hand the amount of insightful comments he ever made about anything or like not that he has to throw players under the bus because that's not mm-hmm. really what he wants to do like it was almost he 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 never he he just never said anything remotely interesting to explain what was happening and I always view it as look these coaches have to put on a they have to act a bit when they're in front mm-hmm. of us because they can't be the same you know they, they don't want to 
alienate the locker room. But at the same point, if at no point we ever it ever comes out, you either so mad or so happy or so glad or whatever that we see the another side, then I presume there is no other side. And this is actually who you are. And I think to me it explained why Scott Brooks kind of struggled down the stretch here. What's your sense of Wes Unsell Jr. from that perspective? Is he gonna be able to explain things to you and to the fans as to what is happening, you know, and, and so on? That I'm not sure about yet because nothing has happened that he's really needed to explain uh, yet, honestly. So I, I'm not sure how he'll react to those situations. We'll only know, actually, Spencer Dinwiddie told us that today. He was like, yeah, you guys keep asking about energy and chemistry and how we play together. And he's like, it's great right now. It's it's genuinely great right now. You know, he spoke very highly of everything that's going on. He said, ask me after we lose a couple in a row because we're going to because it's the NBA. Um, so he hasn't, Wes hasn't been tested in that way yet in terms of, how he responds, but I think he takes the, um, I think he takes seriously as a part of his job, the fact that he knows he has to kind of win a fan base over. And I, I don't mean as a, as an individual, I don't think he's, he cares about winning them over as a head coach, but he's, I think he's very aware that this franchise is in kind of dire need of its local fan base to get back on board after a pandemic and after a couple of rocky seasons. And I think that's something he takes to heart. He hasn't really connected that yet to, obviously he's got quite a family legacy, but I think he just views it as a part of his job because it's part of the NBA and he knows that. So uh, it's definitely not something that he's unaware of or he hasn't thought about, I would guess, um, in terms of how he comes across to the fans, but we just haven't tested him like that yet. Right. I mean, that, that is the funny thing, right? Like a lot of times, no matter who it is, even if it's somebody who's been around the league for a long time, when you come into a new spot, you have to learn the situation. This guy yeah. <laughs> does not have to learn the situation. He's, he, was, he does he was not have to learn the situation. No, he literally raised in it. He knows what's going on. He's been around it. So he knows what he's what he, what he walked into. And and like you said, I mean, you know, when, when people t- over on the football team side, oh, my God, it's been 20, couple, some, 20 years since we've been good and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, could you go look at the basketball team? Because it's, yeah. it's been double that. And and, yeah. and, and and not only double that, they've been largely irrelevant. And, you know, it, that's that's unfortunately – a huge problem for them and and uh, for honestly for us uh, for anybody who's interested in in uh, covering the, the team. All right, let me ask you about some 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 players. I wrote down some questions that I was asking myself if I was going to interview oh, myself. What would I want? Look well, at you. Yeah. Well, what are you a reporter? No. Well, the running joke on the other podcast was I was <laughs> the most ill prepared guest Fred ever had. I would just he would just tell me what time we were doing this. I would show up and have no thoughts. But since I have to <laughs> be running the show, I, I have to highly highly. Uh, find it hard to believe that you had no wizard spots uh, well, okay, let, let, let me let me let me rephrase i had thoughts i had no information or statistics to back up anything i was saying i was ah, a spe- i was just speaking um that's what we like on a podcast <laughs> yeah exactly all right so we'll go through a couple quick categories here most okay. intriguing player I'll, I'll give you a second to think as i spat off i mean there's obviously oh, i have it uh, oh well if you want to go before anything else go, go ahead who do you got I'm so excited. We're talking to Kyle Kuzma tomorrow. I'm so excited to get to know this guy. I mean, he might not be intriguing to everybody, but he's most intriguing to me, one, because I think he's an interesting person outside of his basketball, which is also interesting. But two, I'm really fascinated to see how they use this guy because they have like a smorgasbord of really tall forwards. <laughs> and, I, and I kind of like, if and when Rui comes back, are they going to play him with Rui? How does he work with KCP? Who's he going to take in terms of you know, KCP probably gets the first guy to defend. Does he get the second? What's going on with that? So he's, he, but you, I mean, Ben, you know me, I'm, hello, let's talk about the fashion. Let's talk about the art. This guy's a painter. I'm like, great, we can get into some stuff. Uh, it, it, it's an excellent choice. I, I'm I'm definitely intrigued by him a ton because uh, the guy, guy he came in with a big splash in the league. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I don't know. Did he get LeBron kind of, down a level or two because he got right. overshadowed by that situation or also did, a question or was he you know sort of just playing really well that first year on a bad team kind of and it kind of went from from there I think that's a big intrigue and yes there is the other a lot of the a lot of the other stuff uh for sure by the way you went with uh smorgasbord as opposed to say hodgepodge or uh uh, a, a jumble is that is that your uh, word of choice when it comes to like this you know large medley of god knows what yeah exactly well you know they the two german guys who used to be on their team i guess are no longer on their team so maybe i shouldn't have but i should have i don't know figured out like a latvian word i don't know how to say that in latvian but yeah that's that's a they've got a, a, a buffet of wings and forwards yes 
Yeah, they, they do. I well good. You can you can you can work on what the Latvian word equivalent is now that you, you got, you got <laughs> I some, have to ask Davis. Yeah, in your in your in your downtime. Um, for what it's worth, since I, I'll I'll just say I'll go with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, oh yeah, Number obviously two. he's a super interesting human. So there's there is that, but also you know he's a guy I really liked before, but he's you know but then he had the injury, and you know I know guys come back from from knee injuries not a big deal, but we'll see what he's at. He's not obviously a very good shooter. But he's a guy that just seems to figure out how to get it done. And, you know, the, the Wizards don't, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook, it's not, he's obviously not as good as Russell Westbrook. And that's, nobody should expect that. And that may be fine. They actually, I think, are a more balanced team than they were a year ago. But Russell Westbrook was so, everything centered around him, even more than being right. the last 30 games or so. Like, how does, how does the new guy come in and how does he help run the show playing? maybe in a somewhat different way. Nobody plays like Westbrook, who was going hundred miles an hour, this force of nature. And I'm just intrigued to see what, what Dinwiddie, um, what he can do. What's he look like physically? I, by the way, I don't even know. I don't think I asked you even before we started recording this. Have you actually seen, how much have you actually, are you getting guys able to see in practice? Like, have you seen Dinwiddie actually do much beyond just shoot around a little bit? Nah, we get basically the end of practice where everyone's just shooting right. around and everything. But we talked to Spencer for a long time on media day and we talked to him today. So, boy, do I have a story for you, ready to roll on Friday. All right. Well, uh, I, that was my exact question. How is this guy going to work in this uh, in this system? <laughs> All right. I, I like it. I like it. All right. So here, here's my next question. Um, the, people like to talk about big threes in the NBA, and there's no combination of three people that we could put together <laughs> here that would give the Wizards a big three in those terms. So we're not going to do that. Okay. But, but that said... If if forced, if somebody said, okay, well, we're, we're picking a big three for every team, and however you want to define what a big three means, oh my God. The, the three best players, the three top scores, I don't know, whatever it is. I was thinking about this, like, obviously we got one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, ah, do I even know who definitively who two is, let alone three? I mean, I would say Dinwiddie, but right. I don't know. And then, and then you mentioned Kyle Kuzma. Could be him, but then you still have, and we'll get to Rui's situation in a minute, but whenever he's back, could it be him? I don't know. Does Daniel Gafford have another step or has he become such a defensive presence that he's like a, a guy like in that realm or uh, does Davis Bertans find his shot? I, I, I wasn't actually really sure. So I'm going to put you on the spot. If I said you have to pick a big three again, we're not saying it's the equivalent of LeBron, Anthony Davis and Westbrook, but or whatever, but like that, that term who, who, what is the wizard's big three? I'm literally, I like, I am grimacing right now trying to think about this. Literally, my face is like frozen, like the emoji that's just like the teeth clenching one. Okay, so we have, I mean, I, I think you have to make it Brad and, and Dinwiddie, right? Like, even though Dinwiddie said he's all the, he, he's his point guard style, he's, he's the guy who's saying, my job is to make everybody else's job easier. So he might not be like the most dominant presence, even though he's, you know, going to be handling the ball all the time. But I think you, okay. So I would say Brad and Dinwiddie, my first thought was Gafford because he's like, so beloved in DC and, and became so beloved so quickly. Um, but also we didn't, you know, we saw him for how many months was that March through barely June. So I'll be really interested to see what he's been working on. If he looks the same, if he can kind of bring the same type of juice, if that carries over to his second year with the wizards. Um, but that was kind of, I guess my first thought also because like, I think you need in a big three, you need one really, really, really tall guy for like the pictures, you know, for the posters and stuff. Exactly. So I I think that at least that's, that's where I'll start out with That's my training camp. Big three. How about that? Uh, I I, I like it. I mean, look, I think Gafford, I mean, he really was a lot of fun at the end of last year and look, Ben Wallace just went into the uh, hall of fame as a guy who basically couldn't score. And I'm not saying Gafford is that, but you know, he's got the athleticism you need to play, you know, to be able to defend multiple positions and he can, you know, guard some other guys. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. And the question is, can he do anything offensively beyond putbacks and alley-oops and stuff? If he can, if he can do anything. Right. Or, they, I mean, I don't know. He might not need to, honestly, if he, if he really ups his defensive presence and can like be a stalwart there and then just like accentuate stuff with a couple of dunks or crazy alley-oops a game, that's kind of enough to build a nice little wizards, big three personality off of, especially for the wizards. Yeah, for, 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 for sure. Um, obviously I mentioned Rui Hachimura, you know, in theory he could be, a part of this big three but he's away from the team right now for personal reasons i don't know to what degree you could say anything but what can you say i guess and then like to that end we have any idea when he might be back 
We don't have a timetable for his return. What I will say is that everybody we've asked in practice from West to Brad to Spencer is that it hasn't really been affected, affecting things in training camp, I guess, is that um, they have enough guys, they have enough flexibility with their roster that they're all missing Rui very much. He's a huge part of the team, all that stuff. Um, but they can kind of move forward without him and, and slot him in later down the line. Gotcha. Okay. Um, since I know you were a dedicated listener to the Wizards After Dark podcast, you're, you're well aware that... What's Fred going to do? He needs a new name for his podcast now. Uh, he's not going to have one, apparently. I don't think, I don't think wow, he's starting off with... that's right. Strip him of his power. Right. I think he's going to, you know, he's, his, 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 uh, his new wife is going to hear a lot of random talk about basketball <laughs> because he's going to have to get no, it out somewhere. It's not going to be, you know, we're, you and I are going to get calls weekly, like at least. <laughs> yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. So anyway, so towards the end, we, we uh, it, to take it to, to uh, put into place uh, a spot for me for all the random ideas that I would have that nobody else cares about that always mm-hmm. to me were intriguing. We, we, we came up with a bit called uh, Usef's Nonsense. Okay. Um, and so basically like the thing that's like super niche that I would always say, look, this is maybe irrelevant today, but like it's a symbolic of, of whatever it may be. It could be uh, how they use two-way players or why, why is, uh, you know, uh, Gary Payton Jr. playing ahead of Troy Brown or whatever the thing might be. My, my one for right now is sort of basically, I said when they drafted Cassius Winston, who I like, it made no sense mm-hmm. to me that they draft this guy, then bring in point guards ahead of him. He's a four-year player in college. If you don't think he can help you, you shouldn't. You should have drafted a dude that you send overseas to keep the keep the asset, whatever. Anyway, he's on the two-way contract. There's no roster spots. Anyway, he's probably my guess would be he probably never plays on the team other than like a, a random injury call up, and he goes away. And then I'll, I'll yell and scream when when they lose that second round pick effectively for, 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 for nothing. It doesn't have to be anything that interesting. It could be something completely minor. It could be what, 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 what's going on in the media room. You want to make fun of anybody. I don't care. Whatever you got. What, what's like a nonsense thing that's important to you as we go into uh, training camp in this season? Oh gosh. That's really putting me on the spot. A nonsense thing. That's important. Some, or somewhere, it doesn't have to be it's something that's just like super low key that nobody's talking about that you think, you know what, I actually think this is something to keep an eye on. I, I don't know how low-key it is, but I've thought this literally since the five-team trade went down and they and they got kind of all these guys together. And, and then I met uh, Wes Unsell Jr., who really is genuinely like a lovely, at least I can say, you know, just from meeting him person to person, he's a really lovely person. I just remember thinking, I was like, who's going to talk on this team? Everybody is either used to having like the 14 year guy, the crazy leader, the really dominant voice, like, you know, Bradley Beal by his own admission has become like a ton more vocal, but it's still not that guy who's going to always be in your face and always be yelling everything out. Spencer Dinwiddie, super thoughtful, also very measured. Same with, you know, (laughs) we talked to KCP on media day. I had to like, I was like, I need special headphones for like how low and soft this guy's voice is. It was really funny. Um, Kyle Kuzma was like, I'm looking forward to using my voice more, but he's also not historically like this big talker. Um, and then you have Wes Unsell Jr. Who's also very, you know, even keeled. And I'm like, who the hell is going to get fired? At? Who's going to be yelling in everybody's faces? Who's going to be stomping the way Russell Westbrook did or, um, you know, showboating the way John Wall used to. So that that's something that I've been thinking about a ton is like, is anybody going to speak up on this team? Is anybody kind of going to kind of take the reins? So I'm really interested to see how that plays out. All right, I like it. Uh, it's 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 uh, look. It's important both in terms of getting helping explain what's happening. Also, if you got to engage with the fans like we talked about, and somebody's going to have to become. I mean, obviously, the play will will define a lot of who become fan favorites or not. But you know, getting to know these people um, that was always a big deal with guys for sure. Um, all right, last question. Going back to the Bradley Beal thing. Okay. What wait? What Bradley Beal? You see something going on with him? Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently. Oh, hmm. apparently. wasn't aware. I actually was intrigued by the way that Wes Unsell Jr. said he thinks that one way to help Brad play defense is have other people help him on offense, which was the point that I made for the last two years when people were crapping on his defense. I'm like, well, what's he supposed to do? He has, there's nobody else to do anything. On one end. (laughs) Yeah, he has to do like everything on one end of the court, especially when like before pre-Westbrook and when Westbrook was hurt. But anyway, so here's the thing. So this whole um, vaccination situation, what's interesting to me about this is is that like I watch, so covering the football team, when training camp started, the football team was basically last among all teams 
in player vaccination rate percentage. So it was over at 50%, whatever. And Ron mm-hmm. Rivera, who has just becoming, who was coming off cancer treatments and things, right. spoke out, he spoke out big time, multiple times about this to us locally, to some other people nationally. He was not afraid to speak his mind on this topic. And even though some of his uh, bigger name players were the ones who, at least initially, if not con- currently, are um, still unvaccinated, we, you know, we, it appears. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and what's interesting to me is that, like, of course, in the NFL, the players don't have a lot of leverage other than the quarterbacks, right? So, the, right. so the coaches can kind of do that. And and since then, their rate has gone up to about somewhere around ninety percent last we heard, which is still towards the bottom of the league, but ninety percent is obviously a pretty good number. Mm-hmm. The Wizards. Now, you tell me if I'm wrong because I don't know. I, I I think Tommy Shepard spoke before Bradley Beal told the world his situation. I don't know if Wes Unseld Jr. has said anything since, but I don't know what the Wizards can even say about Bradley Beal, even if they wanted to, even if they like morally were like outraged by something he said, because Bradley Beal has all the power. He can just turn. He can yeah. tell his agent to say, you know what, I'm out. Tell them I want to trade or I'm not signing a contract or whatever. And I guess I'm just wondering, like, do you say what, what's your sense of that perspective that like, just not even necessarily Beal, but just the NBA players in general, that they do kind of have more power in this than, than at least say the NFL guys do, because that's just the way it is. This is a play. The players have a lot more control um, around uh, in this sport than they do in other sports. Yeah. And we kind of asked them a million different versions of, are you going to, is it going to affect the team when a guy can't play because he's he's opting to not get a shot? Um, and, and pretty much to a player, everybody said, it's, it's really none of my business and I'm not going to be mad at any guy for making his own personal decision. Da, 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 da. Um, Wes Unsell Jr. said the same thing, kind of like it's, it's up to everybody else. We can operate they are above the league standard of, of whatever 85% vaccination, according to Tommy Shepard, you know, I haven't gone through and looked at everyone's vaccination records myself. Um, he says they're quote in the 90th percentile among the league. So um, I don't know. We had a lot of teams kind of <laughs> trickling out on media day saying we're one shot away from being fully vaccinated. So I'd be interested to see the actual numbers on that. Um, but no, nobody was really coming out and saying there was no Steph Curry who was clearly dissatisfied with the Wiggins situation. Again, I think because one, Brad is the guy with all the power, like you said, and I think you could tell that because of how freely and also passionately he spoke on media day. I I would be shocked if um, anyone from the team or the organization or whatever, you know, told him beforehand to tone it down and he like went against that advice. So I'm assuming that, that, you know, they told players, yeah, you're allowed to answer or, you know, feel free to answer however you want, whatever. Um, But I think NBA players in general, kind of aside from the Steph Curry situation, are much more hesitant to go against their teammates. And I don't know if that's because it's a smaller roster and you're closer with your people and you actually know them more or because like basically they feel like guys got the shot who maybe were on the fence or whatever, but the NBA kind of is really making it um, making it a, a benefit to people who who are vaccinated, certainly. You know, it's the first thing that agents are asking when they call you up and say, hey, is this guy vaccinated, by the way? We're, you know, kind of just checking him out. Um, but yeah, there, there hasn't really been that kind of like peer pressure, I guess, so far that uh, that we've seen in other sports. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like I said, I would be almost surprised if anybody in management or, you know, coaching management, ownership, whatever, says anything in contrary, you know, sort of the way in, in the way Ron Rivera did, because yeah. they got to they got to play nice with Bradley Beal. And, uh, you know, my you don't have to give give one my predict my prediction based on nothing other than just reading the tea leaves and having paid attention to all this. He'll, he'll get vaccinated sooner than later would be my guess. But I have no idea. Um, I mean, he it, said he was still considered. He said yesterday after he came out pretty strong on on media day on Monday, he right. like walked back a little bit yesterday and said he was still considering it. He's not saying never. He's just just thinking about it. Right, right. Well, you know, it's good to think. Um, it's good to think. It's good to ask right. questions. It's also good to read Ava Wallace in the Washington Post. Would you like to uh, promote anything that you have uh, already out, things you have coming up or just your, your social media feed. Would you like to tell people where to find you or, or, or things you're doing, whatever, whatever you got. 
Oh, well, my social media feed is very uh, bad. It's uh, just Ava R. Wallace on Twitter. Go there for bad tweets and also few tweets. I'm not a, I'm not a big tweeter, but um, I am a big, <laughs> I am a big writer because that is my job. <laughs> so if you're interested in learning about, you know, Wes Unseld, Jun- Wes Unseld Jr.'s defensive uh, kind of outlook or what Bradley Beal is thinking or if Spencer Dinwiddie is going to own us all one day and become when he becomes the crypto king. Um, I have story on, on all of those things up on the Washington Post. So there you go. All right. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. Is that still, that's not, wait, no. Hey, no wait. Is that still work or we just democracy dies in darkness? But I like if you don't get, I think the radio ads still say, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Yeah, it always sticks the, with the me. Local, the local, the, the hardcores know what's up. <laughs> They, 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 they do. Uh, Ava, I, I appreciate the time. Enjoy uh, the rest of your day and best of luck with training camp. Uh, it's always a grind and you're off to a, a flying start. So uh, good, good luck. Thank you, sir. Say hello to my colleagues in the media room there for me. I will. All right. That is it for this episode of the Standing Room Only podcast. Of course, again, appreciate everybody checking out the podcast and hopefully some people will take advantage of the deal where you can get um, a subscription to the athletic for 50% off by going to theathletic.com slash standing. Take advantage of that. Let me know what you guys think. Hopefully everybody's excited uh, for this. I know I am and uh, we'll go from there, but that's it for now. Ben standing signing off until next time. See ya.